0: We're continuing on our series in our series that a new beginning requires a new you. And, and last week we talked about the issue of consecration, how it is important that every believer consecrates, sets yourself apart, dedicate yourself fully, present your bodies to the Lord to do His work, to please Him. Consecration. Amen. We we'll give you an example. We we'll gave you two examples, I believe, last week. One was the example of Abraham. Uh, Uh, Daniel, Shadrach, and and Abednego. There were many, many, many Hebrew boys that were taken into Babylon. But you don't hear about them. The only ones you hear about are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Four. What happened to the others that were there? They didn't consecrate themselves to the Lord. They just decided that they would be like the Babylonians and do whatever they could do and pursue their own dreams and... And enjoyed the benefits of being in Babylon. But four of those, only four, the Bible recalls, made the decision that they were going to consecrate themselves in Babylon. Even in the midst of Babylon, they are going to live sanctified, separated lives unto God. Remember when Daniel was told to eat the, the food of the, from the king's table, which was contrary to the covenant that they had with God? Remember what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided? They said no. They were not going to defile themselves with the king's meat. And they were prepared to die for that because they were going to honor their God. Remember when, when they were told, if you don't worship uh, this idol, um, we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And they said, you know what, we're not going to do it. You know, we're consecrated unto our God, and being consecrated unto our God means we only worship him. And so we won't do it. Well, if you don't do it, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Well, then, you know, our God is able to deliver us. We know he's able, but even if he didn't, if we die, then we will choose death over denying him. They had consecrated themselves to honor the Lord. Daniel was given an opportunity also to save himself by stop praying to God and to pray to uh, the God of Babylon and And Daniel also refused. And the Bible says he just continued to do what he knew God wanted him to do. In spite of the threat to his life, he would pray and he would open the window. He wasn't hiding. And they decided they were going to throw him into the lion's den if he didn't stop. He chose to go into the lion's den. God mercifully delivered him so that God could glorify himself. But we know there are men who were not delivered, who literally paid the sacrifice of their very lives because they had consecrated themselves to God and were committed to living and or dying, whether in life or death, Paul said, what's important is that Christ is glorified, Christ is honored. Hallelujah. This is what we're called to. This is what we're called to. When we say yes to to Jesus and we become uh, part of the family of God, part of the church that he is building, This is what we're called to. We're called to live consecrated lives, to set ourselves apart, to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice for him to work through, to bring glory to himself, to do his will, to advance his kingdom. This is what Harvest is about. Being a part of this church means you're part of a group of people who take seriously our relationship with Jesus, and who understand that this high calling that we have is such that fulfilling it is costly. And while there are many blessings that we enjoy, and we will continue to enjoy blessings because he blesses us with all spiritual blessings, the truth is he never promised that our lives will become easy In fact, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And he said, if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. And so we all have to make a decision because uh, God gives each of us free will. If we trust him, he will enable us to make right decisions, but he will not make the decisions for us. And when it comes to this business of consecration, when it comes to this business of living lives that truly are set apart for God and that bring God honor, it's not possible until I make a decision that that's what I'm going to choose. Remember, Jesus in the garden had to make a choice. The Son of God had to make a choice. God's will for him, God's purpose for him was to give his life as a ransom. That was the will of God. He had to say yes to that will. And he has said yes many times. But the devil leaves and the devil comes back. And so living a life of consecration will required that we say yes many times. Because you know, the enemy will come and he will challenge your faith and challenge your decision and suggest that you should go down another path because the path will be easier. You've got to be able to say no to him and say yes again. Oh my goodness, to God's plan and purpose, even though you're facing the cross and you know what you're about to go through. May God give me and you the grace that we need To not just say yes once, but every time our faith and our commitment is being challenged, in spite of what we're going to face, may God give you the grace to say yes again. To say, Lord, I still say yes. I still say yes. Even though right now things are hard, I still say yes. Even though right now my circumstances are not pleasant, I still say yes. Even though right now all I can see is a cross. I don't see a crown. I still say yes. In Jesus' name. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, you can turn there. Uh, Paul is speaking to Timothy. Paul the apostle is speaking to his father. I mean speaking to his son Timothy. Timothy is a young man. He's a pastor of a church. He's a young pastor. And of course he's facing the difficulties, the challenges that and the pressures that we all face, that young men face. But not just young men, old older men face. And not just older men like Yemi. Um. <laughs> Say hallelujah. Amen. We all face them, right? These pressures, right? So Paul writes to Timothy, and he says to Timothy, Timothy, make the decision that in spite of all that is happening, you are going to be a vessel of honor. You're going to be what? A vessel of honor. Now, what is a vessel of honor? A vessel of honor, as a a believer, is one who." has made the decision to honor God in the way he or she lives. He has made the decision that he will honor God with his attitude. He will honor God with his behavior. He'll honor God with his character. He'll honor God with his determination and his devotion to service, to duty. He'll honor God with with his commitment to excellence in all that he does because he's serving an excellent God. He will honor God with his faithfulness and his faith and by being fruitful. If you notice, that was A, B, C, D, E, and F. Honor God with your attitude. Say attitude. attitude. B, behavior. C, your character. D, your devotion to duty. E, your commitment to excellence. If your faith and your faithfulness. A vessel of honor has made a decision that he's going to do what? Honor God with his life. In everything he does, he wants God to be glorified. And secondly, a vessel of honor is one whom God can honor. You know, every time God uses you, he's honoring you. Oh, my goodness, you didn't hear me. Every time the king chooses to give you an assignment, he's honoring you. Hmm? When he gives you an assignment to do something that will build his church, he's honoring you. When he gives you an assignment like I have right now to preach the word to you, he's honoring you. When he gives you an assignment to usher people into their seats, he's honoring you. Every time God gives you an assignment, whether it's small or big in your own eyes, you need to understand because he didn't have to give it to you, he could have given it to someone else or he could have done it himself. He has chosen to honor you. Are you hearing me? And when we're faithful in doing what he has given us to do, he adds even more honor to us. Because the Bible says if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Oh my goodness. He takes us from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Now, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, and would you go, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, please? He says, Timothy, you need to make this decision that you're going to be a vessel of honor. And so let's 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 read this. The whole chapter of 2 Timothy 2 is dealing with. Being a vessel of honor. And so we're gonna read this verse, and then we're gonna, in the first service, I started from down and I worked my way back up. I think, I think um, in this service, we're gonna we're gonna start from up and work our way down, but we'll get to the same place, just a different approach. Okay? Let's read this, verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay some for honor and some for dishonor, okay? So Paul has made a statement here and he he is comparing the church to a great house. How many of you know that the church is a great house? No, no. The church is great in God's eyes. The church is a great thing as far as God is concerned. There's nothing small, irrelevant about the church. There's nothing you can simply dismiss concerning the church and be in sync with God. Because the church, as far as God is concerned, is great. Great because it is the body of Christ. Great because It is the ground and pillar of the truth. Great because it is the bride of Jesus. Great because it is the place in which the king lives. You see, he's really comparing the church to a palace. And who lives in a palace? The king. Who lives in a palace? A king and his children. Never lose sight of the fact that this church which is part of the church, is a great thing, a great house. In this church that Christ is raising is the king himself and the children of the king who are royalty. Say hallelujah. Raise your hand and say "Thank thank you Jesus for the great church, the great house. That you have built in Jesus' name. Now, in a palace, in a great house, you will find different types of vessels. If you go to a palace where a real king lives, there will be all kinds of very expensive uh, utensils, plates, and cups, and trays, and all kinds of things. Some made of gold, some made of silver. They're there. And so Paul says, in this great house, the church, there are such vessels, which he calls vessels of honor. And then he says, you will find in that same palace other vessels, not made of gold, not made of silver, but made of wood and clay. And he says, these vessels are not used for for times when the intention is honor. When the king is about to to eat and they set the table for the king, they don't put vessels of clay and wood. What do they do? They bring the vessels that are for honor because the king must always be honored. So they place on the table when the king is going to eat vessels, silver and gold because of the one who sits at the table. If an important guest comes in, they will not, give or serve that guest with wood and clay utensils, it'll be the gold and silver. So Paul says there are certain vessels, there are two categories of vessels in the great house. One category is for honor. The other category is for dishonor. And in that category might be the things that you use to clean the floor, the things you use to to. Uh, carry out the garbage, the things you use to clean the bathroom, the, the things you use to wash the dishes, the dirty dishes, all of those things will come into that category of the things that are for dishonor. In other words, those things you don't want anybody to see. So when, when an important guest comes, you make sure that those things are what? Out of sight. Are you hear me? Yeah, they're, they're, they're in the back somewhere, they're in some closet, they're in the dungeon, they're covered up. You don't want your guests or this important person to do what? Even see those things because they don't bring you honor. You who are using them, they don't bring you honor if they're dirty and smelly and full of garbage. They don't bring you honor, so you kind of, you hide them. And you certainly would not serve your guests with that because that would dishonor your guests. So there's two kinds of vessels, categories in a great house. And in the church, unfortunately, Paul is saying, you got vessels of honor in this church. But you also very likely, it doesn't have to be, but very likely there are vessels in this church who will be categorized as vessels of dishonor. In other words, there are vessels here who God can use and will use to bring honor to himself. Upon whom God will place honor. And then there are vessels here that God cannot use to bring honor to himself. And who really, by the way they live, by the way they talk, by the things they do, dishonor the Lord and dishonor themselves. How many of you know that your body is the temple of the Lord? If you take your body you join it to a harlot, you're dishonoring God, but you're also dishonoring yourself. Your mouth is for praising God and speaking wisdom. If you use your mouth to curse or to speak badly about somebody, you're dishonoring God with your mouth, and you're also dishonoring your mouth. That is supposed to be Sanctified for the glory of God. Are we still in the same church? Okay. So, So there are two categories. Now here's the thing that I want you to grasp. You get to choose. I get to choose which category I'm in. No one here needs to be in the category of those who dishonor God. Those who, in a sense, God is ashamed to put up front as his representatives. Because the way they will talk, the way they'll behave, the way they'll treat people, the way they'll respond to tests and trials, will truly dishonor him. No one has to be in that category. Each of us can be in that category where when God wants honor, When God wants something done, He knows that He can use us to bring Him glory. I suspect that every person who is saved and in this church this afternoon, you want to be a vessel of honor. I don't believe there's one person here who wants to be in the church and you're saved and you don't want to be a vessel of honor. Let's go to verse 21. Verse 21, please. All right, verse 21 reads, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for what? Honor, sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So all of us want to be. A vessel of honor. We want to be those that God sets apart. We want to be those who are very useful to the master. Is there anybody here who does not want to be useful to Jesus? No, all of us want to be useful to the master. And he says a vessel of honor is prepared for every good work. In other words, he's ready at all times for God to use him. I mean, God can use him to bring honor to himself. God can use him to do a good work. God can use him to witness to somebody. God can use him to make a disciple. God can use him to to give. God can use him to to go and pray for somebody. God can use him just to love someone who needs loving. God can use him. Anytime he's ready, he's prepared for God to use him. When, When there's a need and God needs someone, he doesn't have to say, wait, God, let me go get ready. I need to go prepare because I got some folks I need to go and forgive. Uh, wait, God, I need, I need to go fix some relationships. God, I'm not sure I can, I can do that right now because yesterday I cussed those people. So I don't know if I can go back to them right now and they even want to listen to me. Preaching better than you listen. Say amen. I don't want to be that, right? I want when God wants to do something good for someone that wants me to say something or wants me to give something or wants me to minister to someone to do a good work, I'm already ready. I'm prepared. Those are the vessels of honor. And you and I want to be that. Timothy wanted to be a vessel of honor, and Paul told him how. So let me, using Paul's instructions, tell you how you can be a vessel of honor. You ready? First and foremost, you got to get saved. No one can be a vessel of honor who's not born again. So anyone who is not born again, who is not in Christ, in whom Christ does not live, who has not become the temple of the Lord, you're not even part of the great house. You're not really in the church. You're not part of it. You cannot be a vessel of honor. So the first thing you need to do is to make sure that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're born again. Now, once you get born again, then you can become a vessel of honor. And this is what Paul says, and this is where I'm going to go, go, go to the top, and then come back here. So go to Ephesians, First, um, 2 Timothy 2, and let's start at verse 1. Because Paul is here telling us what it's going to take. Remember that a decision has to be made. And The decision involves a number of things that are difficult, but they're possible because God helps us to do it. But we got to understand what it is that it's going to take to be a vessel of honor. Verse 1, let's read together. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We'll come back to that verse. Go to the next two. And the things that you have heard from me among men are witnesses to what? Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So all of us should be committed to doing that, right? Next verse. You therefore must... Okay, that word, E. I'll spell it. E-N-D-U-R-E. What does it spell? What does it spell? H-A-R-D-S-H-I-P. What does it spell? You cannot be a vessel of honor if you're not willing to endure hardship for Christ. You see, many of us come to Christ so he can make our life easy. Jesus did not promise that in this world it'll be easy. He said, I'll give you peace and my grace will be sufficient. He says, I'll be your strength. So he doesn't promise easy But he does promise strength to endure. Strength to endure. If I'm going to be a vessel of honor, I have to make a decision. You know what? For your sake, for your glory, Lord, I'm willing to endure hardship like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Every vessel of honor must be willing to, to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And every good soldier must be willing to endure hardship. You cannot be a good soldier if you don't want to go to the battlefield. A soldier representing his uh, his nation will make the very hard decision of leaving his or her spouse behind. Leaving their children. My goodness, that must be the hardest decision to make their young children behind, leaving their job, leaving their homes, their comfort and the conveniences of their life. And they will go onto the battlefield knowing that they may not return, knowing that for however long they're going to be out there, they're going to be shot at, they're going to be sleeping outdoors, they're going to have bombs dropping all around them, they're not going to be very comfortable, they're going to be eating all kinds of food. But they're willing to do that because of the cause, because of the greatness of the cause, the, 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 the thing that they have lived for is worth dying for. Child of God, if we're going to be vessels of honor, then I have to decide. I didn't come to you, Jesus, to make my life easy. I came to you, Jesus, to do your will. And like Jesus, Father, not my will, but your will be done even if it means the cross. We have to be willing to do what? Endured hardship. Like a soldier enduring hardship. The next thing he tells us, tells Timothy to do, he says, You've got to be like an athlete. Go to next four, verse 4. He says, No one entangles in warfare. He uh, tackles himself with the, with the affairs of his life that he would please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Next verse. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, He is not crowned unless he does what competes according. So so he's saying, Timothy, it's going to take the attitude of a soldier willing to endure hardships. It's going to take the attitude of a a person who is serious about winning major championships, the discipline, the discipline that it takes, the self-denial that it takes in order to win championships. He says, you got to be prepared to do that, and that is hard. That's another example of a hardship. You see these athletes running and competing and spending hours and hours. That's discipline. He says, You've got to be prepared to do that. Be willing to do that. And then the next thing he talks about is the farmer. He says, The farmer who works hard and, and plants must be the first one to partake of the crops. There are benefits, but the benefits come after the hard work. You don't start off with, with the soul already saved and giving the testimony. You don't start off with the testimony concerning how the Lord used Pops. No, all of the time that Pops spoke to him, the years that Pops ministered to him, that was a hard working farmer. The day came when he got the reward. But before he got the crops, he had to work hard a year. So, what is it going to take to be this this vessel that is ready for every good work? It's going to take this attitude. You know what? This is going to involve hardships. And, you know, I am willing, with God's help, to endure hardships so that he can be glorified and his work can get done. Quickly, let's move, move to verse 16. Verse 16, verse 16, verse 16. Because here's another thing uh, that, that, that we're going to have to read. And then I'm going to make some, uh, a few points. Let's read this together. But shun profane and what? Idle babbles. He's talking about talk. Okay? For they will do what? Increase the more. Listen, what you hear and what you say impacts how you live. So if you want to live a life that will honor Christ, you've got to be careful about what you say and what you hear next verse and their message will spread like cancer you know cancer is very destructive right so he's, he's saying here you got to be careful again about what you say what you, what you hear what you part- conversations you, particip- you participate in he says Hamenius and Philetus are of this sort verse 18 who strayed concerning the what truth Saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Go to verse nine, go to verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some of honor, some for dishonor, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what? The latter. So here's the next thing. If I'm going to be a vessel of honor, I got to be prepared to cleanse myself from the latter. Say, cleanse myself from the latter. Nah. You say, but Bishop, I thought we have already been cleansed. Didn't the blood of Jesus cleanse us? Haven't you taught us that when we receive Christ, all our sins are washed away? And didn't we just say that we're clean, we're holy and blameless because of the blood of Jesus? Didn't you teach us that we have the gift of righteousness that allows us to come to God boldly without fear of judgment and damnation? Then how come Paul is saying that we who are believers are to cleanse ourselves? I thought we are already cleansed. The answer is yes. Yes, my God, Jesus has cleansed us from sin. Yes, we are washed in the Lamb of God Yet, yes, we are sanctified Yes, we can come boldly to the throne of grace Without fear of condemnation, judgment, and wrath No, I don't have to confess my sins Every time I sin to be clean When I confess my faith in Jesus And I receive Jesus And my faith is in Jesus His blood cleanses me and keeps me clean Hallelujah Hallelujah I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm blameless that's true yet the believer is told to do what? cleanse himself so what Paul is telling you to do is not something Jesus has done what Jesus has done to remain true are you hearing me? If you, if, you, if you look at John chapter 13, there's a conversation that takes place there and Jesus is, talking, is washing the feet of his disciples. And when Jesus comes to Peter and he's about to wash Peter's feet, Peter said, no, Lord, how can you wash my feet? Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're going to have no part of me. And Peter says, is that true? Then, Lord, I want you to wash all of me. Wash my head, wash my hands. I want you to give me a complete bath. Jesus said, Peter, you don't need a bath. You are clean. He says, you're ever whit clean. And he says, he who has been bathed does not need to bathe again. He says, the only thing we need to do is to take the dust that has accumulated on your feet. But you don't need a bath. In other words, you don't need to go get saved again and get your sins forgiven again to be righteous again. No, Christ has done that. But you who are righteous, you who are clean, you have taken a bath. You're walking in an environment, you're living in a world where all kinds of things can contaminate your mind, can contaminate your attitudes. You can be exposed to stuff that sticks on you, that don't belong to you, but pollute you. Walk into a place where a bunch of folks are smoking. And you didn't take the pill, I mean you didn't inhale, uh, you didn't do none of that. But you leave and you smell like smoke. What do you want to do? You want to get that thing off of you because that doesn't belong to you. You got to clean it off. You got to change the thing. You got to wash the thing. Because that smoke didn't come from you. It came upon you. And now it's making you smell. So you clean it. You don't need to take a bath, Jesus is saying spiritually. You are born again and you are clean. But as you go through this world, you are exposed to things that can contaminate your thoughts. Contaminate your attitudes, your emotions, affect your decisions. And he says, You need to understand that even though you're saved and you're righteous, you're holy, you need to keep cleaning this stuff off so that you can be prepared and ready for the master's use. You got to keep cleaning your thoughts, you got to keep renewing your mind you got to keep identifying sinful, ungodly attitudes and thoughts that may be present in your life and say, you know what, this doesn't belong to the new me. This doesn't belong to the new light. This is not of Christ, and I'm going to do what I am going to take the necessary steps to cleanse that off of me. And how do you do it? He's not saying, okay, uh, 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 Timothy, if you want to be a vessel of honor, every time you sin, you got to come say, oh, God, I'm sorry, forgive my sins, then I'm cleansed. No, what he's saying is take the word of God, which is the water, and cleanse yourself with the word of those attitudes and actions and behavior that will cause you to do things you shouldn't be doing. Take the word of God and cleanse your mind with the word of God's word. Cleanse your attitude with the word of God's word. Cleanse your behavior by reading the word, meditating the word, and letting the word of God produce transformation in your life. In salvation, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. But in our daily walk of sanctification, what is really the cleansing agent is the word of God being applied. So every time I identify a wrong attitude, a sinful action, sinful behavior, I got to be able to confess, agree, this is wrong. This doesn't belong to me. This doesn't glorify God. This is not of me. And take the word of God and meditate in the scriptures. Renew your mind so that you don't continue to walk in that. And if we'll use the word to cleanse our mind and cleanse our thoughts and cleanse our decisions, cleanse our attitudes, then we will be fit, ready, prepared for every good work. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? So what is it that you are supposed to cleanse yourself from? There are two things here that I mentioned. Remember we read about Hymenaeus and Philetus? Remember we read about them? And the scripture said that they were undermining the faith of some. Here's the first thing that you need to know. If you and I are going to be vessels of honor, there's some people that should not be in our lives. You didn't hear me. There's some people who you should not be opening your ears to because the words they speak will undermine your faith and your faithfulness. There are some conversations you should not be engaging in. Some people you shouldn't be listening to for advice because every time they talk, they're going to undermine your faith or your faithfulness. They're going to make it more difficult for you to do what God has called you to do. They're going to raise questions that will simply confuse you. And leave you indecisive. Are you listening to me? Come out among them. Be touching not the unclean. People. Words. Spoken. That enter your ear. Can affect your attitudes. Your emotions and your behavior. And render you not ready. To be used by the master. To bring honor to him. So Paul says, Timothy, identify the Philetas and the Hymenaeus and those people whose words are like canker and they undermine your faith, your faithfulness, and your resolve. Makes it make it difficult for you to serve God. Separate yourself from that. The other thing that he's saying here is that you also need to watch your doctrine because he said these people are teaching false doctrine. They teach the resurrection has already taken place. Listen to me. You need to separate yourself from false doctrine you got to be careful who you listen to. I thank God for the internet and all that it makes possible. But I know because of the internet that people are being exposed to all kinds of unbiblical things. And the doctrine of Christ and his salvation by grace through faith. A lot of folks are being so confused because people are teaching things that are contrary to scripture. Doctrine is important because what you believe will affect the way you live. So you got to be careful about doctrine. And you got to be a, listen for the word, the, and, and 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 take every word that that God reveals. Uh, take it seriously to understand and grasp it. Yesterday, uh, uh, no Friday night during our our leadership uh, huddle, we asked what are the things that people best most appreciate about uh, Harvest, and people listed, and one of the things that a lot of people kept saying was they appreciate and and the Word of God. That is preached here. They appreciate that the word is preached uncompromisingly, the word is preached clearly or simply. And they appreciate that. And my, 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 that is, there's nothing more important to your life and to being a vessel of honor than grasping and understanding the word of God. And if in this church that is happening, don't take it for granted. Be grateful for it. And pray all the time that your pastors will always teach nothing but the Word of God and teach in a way that is clear. And then you be the Berean, go and make sure, okay, this is what Bishop said, Harold said, every time Bishop would say something, he, it's okay, Bishop isn't 100% right. He's just 99.9% right. <laughs> no, but take it, check it out, but hear me, hear me, because I'm your pastor and, 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 and the, your shepherd, if you decide that what I'm teaching isn't biblical, come to me. And said, Bishop, I don't understand this. This is what I understand. This is what you said. And let's have a conversation. That's what he did. And I was able to help him see things that he hadn't seen before. And I am open to you helping me see something that I didn't see. That's the way it's supposed to be. You got it? And then here's the last thing he said you should cleanse yourself from. Let's go to verse 22. And the things... No, no, I'm sorry. Um, no, I think I, 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 I... 22 talks about fleeing youthful lusts. And, and then it says flee youthful lusts and then pursue all of these other things. That's 22. Hear me. That's another thing you need to cleanse yourself from. And you're going to be a vessel of honor. What? Youthful lust? You say, oh, I'm not a youth, therefore it doesn't, no, no. You can be an old man (laughs) and an old woman. How many you can testify? Those youthful lusts tend to follow you (laughs) as long as you're in this body of sin, right? So he was writing to Timothy, so Timothy was a young man, but basically what he's saying is, listen, we're going to be a vessel vessel of honor We gotta take sin seriously and not present our bodies to sin. We 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 can't be presenting our bodies to sin and think that we are gonna be prepared and God can just use us for a vessel of honor. He can't. If we are gonna choose to yield our members to sin, we're choosing by that very act not to be a vessel of honor. Now you say, Bishop, I want to, I struggle. How can do how can all of this happen? Now go to, go to verse 1, because here's the answer. 2 Timothy 2, 1, and I do need to stop. Everybody read this. You, therefore, my son, be what? Strong in what? The strong where? In the grace. Remember, that's verse 1. So before he gives them all of these instructions, endure hardships, uh, obey the rules, uh, be a hardworking farmer, uh, Flee youthful lust. Before he gives them all of these instructions, he first says, be strong in the grace. In other words, it is the grace of God and you being strong in the grace of God that will empower you to be able to do all of this. If you just leave yourself, okay, I'm going to go and do this in my strength, you're about to fail. So you got to first be strong in the grace of God. You say, how can I be strong? It simply means be grounded in the revelation of the grace of God. And every day, keep grounding yourself in the revelation of what? The grace of God. What is the grace of God? The unmerited, undeserved favor of God shown to you in Christ Jesus. What is the grace of God? All that Christ has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Be grounded in the revelation of the gift of righteousness. Because the Bible says those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. Be grounded in the revelation of who you are in Christ as the righteousness of God in Christ. Be grounded in the revelation that God is supplying all of your needs on the basis of unmerited favor, undeserved favor. Be grounded in the revelation of that. Walk in that revelation. And when you're grounded in the revelation of what Christ has done and you're grounded in the revelation that you live in this realm where, where grace, unmerited, undeserved favor reigns. Therein would be the source of the strength you need. And you would then be able to endure hardships because you're grounded in grace. You'll be able to say no to sin because you're grounded in grace. We have to stop because we're out of time. But I pray for each of you that in Jesus' name, all of us would make the decision to be vessels of honor. Because until the decision is made, the power to make it happen cannot be received. In Jesus' name, if this is your desire, and if you're consecrating yourself anew, saying yes one more time to God's call to be a vessel of honor that is sanctified and ready, prepared for every good work, would you please stand to your feet? And would you please raise your hand to heaven? And in your own words, I want you to begin by confessing your righteousness in Christ. Say, Jesus, thank you by your grace that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you that I am dead to sin. I'm alive to you in Christ Jesus, oh God. Now, say, Jesus, I present my body to you. I present my mind to you to be a vessel of honor. And by your grace empowering me, I will live a life that honors you. Thank you for the grace to flee youthful lusts. Thank you for the grace to separate myself from ungodly influences. Thank you for the grace to grow in my revelation of your grace. I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, everybody said, God bless you. Hallelujah.